The occupation has attacked Al-Aqsa Mosque again. They've arrested hundreds of people who are just praying in their mosque. Killed many others. Israel bombed Gaza again. Those videos are circulating the internet right now of the occupation attacking Palestinian elders, shoving and beating the disabled, locking Palestinian women worshippers inside the mosque, physically assaulting journalists. And the Western media calls it clashes. A lot of deja vu of last year. Anytime they fight back, they're called terrorists. The Western media was providing how-to kits for Molotov cocktails for Ukrainians. We are investigating. And then it turns out by investigating, they mean like destroying evidence. Much respect to the people who are putting their bodies and their lives on the line to defend the Al-Aqsa Mosque and all of Palestine. Hello and welcome to episode 52 of the Palestine Pod, the weekly podcast where we break down the latest headlines dealing with Palestine from all over the world and bring you stories, commentary, and interviews with the aim of supporting the Palestinian struggle for justice and equal rights. I'm one of your hosts, Lara E. You might know me from Instagram as at Girl, and I'm joined by my co-host, Mikey B. What's up, y'all? Mikey B on TikTok, Michael Scherzer on Instagram. And you can call me Mikey Intifada if you're trying to stab a goat at the Dome of the Rock. You love the goat thing. Dude, they're, like... they're out here with goats trying to stab you these. Love it. these... I don't... Tell me why they're trying to stab a goat. You know what I, I mean? Like, I don't understand Zionist logic. They're, they're literally know? cradling this alive goat at the gate of the Al-Aqsa Mosque talking about, hey, we got to get up there and pour blood on it. Like, you, you're going to tell me that I'm I'm obsessed with it? You know what I mean? Like, I feel like I'm giving it the right amount of attention, okay? <laughs> I feel like it's, if anything, it's an undercovered story. You know, I didn't know that they were specifically doing that with the goat. I, yeah. I was referencing the, the, the killing of several goats. Oh, no, 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 no. Sometimes they just poke a goat out in the street that's that's if you want peace that's how you establish you want peace sure, you just sure. randomly stab a goat i'm talking about here like recently they've been waiting to sacrifice a goat at the dome of the rock at the al-aqsa compound oh that's a different goat totally it's different goat there. but yeah. the thing is is like they're bringing their own goats so they're walking in with alive goats oh my talking God. about hey we just got to poke this guy at the thing you know what oof, i mean oof, yeah oof, oof. yeah okay, i'm giving it the well, right amount of attention i think okay well before we get into today's episode please like comment and subscribe if you hang out with us on youtube if you're listening on the podcast app subscribe and leave a review as always you can find our full episodes and sources on palestinepod.com and if you want to get involved in the conversation reach out to us at palestinepod at gmail.com and give us a follow on instagram at the palestine pod Find us also on Patreon, where you can get early access to the Palestine Pod episodes, an additional one to two podcasts per week, including our latest podcast, the Patreon Pod. It's a little more laid back. We talk politics, Palestine, pop culture, and get a little more personal. We are also hosting our monthly Zoom happy hours with our Patreon subscribers only. So really exciting stuff. Check us out on patreon.com slash Palestine. Here we are. It's another episode. The occupation has attacked Al-Aqsa Mosque yet again. I mean, it's almost just, I mean, we're just being broken records. Play last year's episode. Yeah, let's just play last year's episode and re-release it. Like, shit's happening again. Hey, check this out. Believe it or not, it's relevant. They've arrested hundreds of people who are just 
praying in their mosque for absolutely no reason. Killed that, many others. And the Western media calls it clashes. Anytime they fight back, they're called terrorists by the Western media. Meanwhile, the Western media was providing how-to kits for Molotov cocktails for Ukrainians. You know what I mean? Like showing specific weak points on military weaponry so that regular civilians would have an advantage when it came to throwing their Molotov cocktails. Yes, on Russian armored vehicles. Yes, that was a BBC guy. Yes, you're absolutely right. And just recently, like today, we heard that Israel bombed Gaza again. So, I mean, yeah, it's definitely a lot of deja vu of last year. And we're also seeing the same sort of aggression by the occupation in the occupied West Bank. They continue to invade and attack cities across the West Bank, including Janine. There, We heard that 19-year-old Palestinian teenage girl died on Monday after succumbing to gunshot wounds. So the occupation has yet again murdered a Palestinian youth for absolutely no reason. She was actually on her way home from school when she was shot in the abdomen by the occupation. And she spent a couple of days in the hospital and eventually she was pronounced dead on Monday, according to the Palestinian Ministry of Health. It's like, you know, the stories are so many and they all sound the same, but you have to give space for every single one of them because every single one of them is somebody's sister, somebody's wife, somebody's daughter who's not coming home because the military occupation has murdered her or murdered him. And that's the reality. And if it sounds redundant, it's it, it very much is redundant. It, living it is redundant, right? For Palestinians. Ever seen that movie Groundhog's Day? Yes. Yes. Bill like, Murray. Yeah. Classic. He wakes up every day. It's the same shit. It's the same shit. That's the yeah. occupation. That's the occupation. But for Gaza, it's like under Groundhog's Day. We also heard that... We also heard this week that Israeli warplanes carried out several strikes on Gaza. For the moment, we haven't heard of any deaths or injuries, but this is, again, giving us deja vu of what has happened last year and leading us to question whether or not the occupation is going to turn this into a full-on assault on Gaza like it did last year. Yeah, and Gazans have launched back right like they're resisting in new ways as well i learned this from jisr collective that the introduction of sa7 anti-aircraft missiles marks a new era of resistance for palestinians they can shoot down helicopters and drones they also force occupation jets to fly at higher altitudes, forcing them to use more expensive bombs, which limits the number of strikes they can do. The era of Israeli air dominance is coming to an end, and the Palestinian people worldwide rejoice at this advancement of the struggle. But just to kind of summarize what's been happening, since the beginning of Ramadan, the Palestine Chronicle has reported that the occupation has killed 17 Palestinians in two weeks. This article came out on the 18th, and today we are the 19th, filming this of April. I think it's important to emphasize that these people are 
killed for being Palestinian. Ra'ed Khazim, 29, a refugee from the Janine refugee camp, was killed in Yaffa. Uh, the first day of Ramadan, three people were killed near Janine. Khalil Tawballa, Sa'ab Abrara, and Saif Abu Libda. On April 10th, we heard that horrific story that the occupation had shot and killed Rada Sabatin, a 47-year-old widowed mother of six. She's a visually impaired woman, and she was shot and killed in the village of Hassan near Bethlehem. There's actually footage of that, and you may or may not have seen that circulating on social media. But can you imagine? I mean, a widowed mother of six. There are six Palestinian children right now who have been deprived of their father for God knows what reason, and their mom's not coming home to them either because she's been killed by the occupation in cold blood. So now you have six orphan children simply for being Palestinian in Palestine. Later that day on April 10th, we also heard that Maha Kazim al-Zatari, 24, was shot and killed near the Ibrahimi Mosque in occupied Hebron. We also heard about 21-year-old Muhammad Ali Ghanem, who was shot by the Israeli occupation soldiers in the back during a military raid in the town of Al-Khadr near Bethlehem on April 11th. On that same day, we also heard about Muhammad Zakarna, who was killed during confrontations with the occupation, also again in Janine. So a lot of these are coming out of Janine. On the 12th, we heard about a Palestinian worker who was killed by the occupation in Ashkelon. He was uh, eventually identified as 40-year-old Abdullah Sroor. On April 13th, the occupation killed Muhammad Hassan Asaf, 34 years old, an attorney with the Wall and Settlements Resistance Commission. He was shot by the occupation in Nablus. And, and, you know, when I say shot, I mean, like, literally in the middle of the street, in cold blood. We're talking about extrajudicial executions of people who have done nothing wrong, who are just living and existing on their land. April 14th, the occupation kills two other Palestinians, again, in a storming of the Janine refugee camp. One of the individuals killed was identified as Shaz Kamemji, who was the brother of Aham Kamemji, who was one of the Palestinian political prisoners that managed to dig their way out of the Gilboa prison last September in the Great Escape. The other fatality was identified as Mustafa Abu Brub, who was a resident of the village Misaliya. It just goes on and on. And I'm waiting for people to start having bake sales like they did for Ukraine. Yeah. And I mean, look at look at even the ages. They're very like there was even a 14 year old on April 14th. The occupation shot Kusay Hamamra, who was 14 years old during a military aggression near Bethlehem. I mean, what chance do you have if you grow up like these kids in refugee camps because your family was displaced from the village that they're originally from and your entire life, whether you're you know, 14 or 20 or whatever it may be, you have lived under military occupation. You have lived with the Israeli occupation raiding your refugee camp, raiding your village, raiding your town and executing whoever they feel like that day only to come back the next day and the next day and the next day and carry out the same thing in total impunity without any accountability whatsoever. Yeah, you know, it's the it, kind of thing that make make you want to pick up a rock or something, you know? Yeah, right. And it's crazy. I was reading the Israeli press about a girl who was murdered in Janine. And, you know, you have the statements from her families about how devastated they are. And then you always, you have the exact same line. Anytime Israel kills a Palestinian and is asked to comment on it 
in the media. There is one line that they repeat over and over and over, and it's the only explanation or statement that is ever given. And that is Israel is investigating the incident. And you never hear about it again. Like, I honestly, I, I, I encourage everybody to go look at, at the Western media, whether it be Israeli press or American press or European press. And anytime the, the, the government of the apartheid state is asked to comment on a killing of a Palestinian, they will always say the same thing. They will say we are investigating. And then it turns out by investigating, they mean like destroying evidence. Yeah. Or keeping the body out. You the will, incident, like, like you got to narrow it down, right? There's a there's a couple of them you should be investigating, probably. It's just really devastating. It's just really devastating to think about how many families are incomplete, how many families have been deprived of loved ones because they live on land which is occupied. And the way that the occupation manages to 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 spin that, you know, in 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 the Western media is just it's it's so it's so sickening and it's so boring, right? We saw Kamala Harris wish the president of Israel, you know, happy holidays and 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 reassert that commitment to Israeli security and defense was unwavering. You know, again, the really creepy like words that are like it's always unwavering, it's always unconditional, it's always it's always, you know, some really superlative like statement. You know, it's never just like, we support you guys. It's always like, we support you and it will never waver. You know, it's it's just weird. And it's language that we only use with Israel. I also encourage you to, to find any other government that the United States talks about like that. That's a toxic relationship. It's so toxic. Right? Where it's like, yes, master, whatever you say, right? you could do no wrong. Dude, I hope that like, even I don't think my mom loves me as much as like, Right. The United States and politicians love the occupation. Right. Because like, dude, there are some conditions. If I started stealing, you know what I mean? Right. If right. I started murdering people and like sure. leaving bodies everywhere, my right. mom would justifiably be like, honey, I love you, but you're a murderer. You know what I mean? Like, right. perhaps we should address this. My mom's a ride or die. So a couple bodies, she'd be like, all right. You know what I mean? Sure. But like, yeah. if it started adding up, she'd be like, we don't even have any place to put this, honey. You're absolutely right. If I started rolling up and like stealing land and then killing my mom, mm -hmm. who is a nice lady who loves me, I would say nearly unconditionally, would be like, yo, we have an issue. Yeah. And, you know, those videos are circulating the Internet right now of the occupation attacking Palestinian elders near Al-Aqsa Mosque, shoving and beating the disabled near Al-Aqsa Mosque, locking Palestinian women worshippers inside the mosque, physically assaulting journalists that were covering the invasion of Al-Aqsa. You know, they were firing grenades off in the mosque they had palestinian worshipers on their stomachs like tied and handcuffed on the floor again having been 
charged or accused or having done nothing wrong, having done nothing wrong except for worship in their mosque during a time when the occupation decided to raid. It was a very, very violent and aggressive last couple of weeks. And, you know, we had, we had Bella Hadid posting about this and she was posting all of the videos of this brutality. And then she also started to complain of some Instagram censorship, which by the way, I know we talked about this, like on previous episodes, how we were in contact with some individuals from Instagram and how they were looking into the instances of censorship that we faced. And hey, I just that say, sounds familiar. I just want to say that they still have not responded to us. Michael and I prepared very exhaustive emails about every instance showing every type of censorship that we have faced with full screenshots, with full proof of everything. And they said they would get back to us and we're still waiting. So Hey, but the guy does check my laugh. Instagram stories. So you know what yeah. I mean? Uh, get back to us. Get yeah. off Get if off my listening. Instagram and send us an email. <laughs> if you're listening, we'd love to hear back because, you know, I'm still getting DMs today. Got a few more that said, Instagram hasn't shown me your stories in months, you know? And I keep doing the same thing that I always do, which is screenshot every single person's message to me when they tell me that I'm being censored, that I'm being shadow banned. And it'll probably end up in a follow-up email to these individuals, but the It'll reality end up is in a spam folder. Yeah. Well, and I you, am still getting messages that say we want to hurt you. You know what I mean? So yeah. just look into it. Yeah. <laughs> Let me tell you when Bella said that she wasn't able to post on stories about Palestine and that she was being uh, censored. I wrote to the, our contact at Instagram and I told her, I said, now Bella Hadid is being censored. And she wrote back to me immediately, right? She didn't respond to us about our own issues. No, of but course. But she wrote back to me very, very quickly and told me that she had been made aware of the situation by Bella's manager and that they are looking into it. And it's like, all right, you can add it to your to-do list of, you know, just the things you've got to look into. Yeah, things you've got to look into. Exactly. Seems like that list is piling up. I know. I know. So they're like, hey, we have to look into our own censorship. (laughs) Yeah, I know. It sounds very like Wall Street. We're going to fix our own economy type situation. It sounds very much like Israel. We're going to look into our own murder of these Palestinians, you know. So American government, we're going to look into the genocide of the natives. Right. We're looking into it. Hey, we are looking. Exactly. Into it. Exactly. Exactly. Not out. Nothing will come out of it. Right. But we are looking into it. In fact, the best part about we're looking into it is that it can just go on forever. Right. Right. Because. Yeah. There's no. Sometimes you even need a a fresh pair of eyes. Right. (laughs) Sometimes sometimes it's better to get like a second opinion. Pass it down a couple generations. Right. Also. Things change. Your eyesight changes over time, right? Sometimes you need glasses. Right. We're we're still looking into it. Exactly. (laughs) All this time we're looking. And nobody can tell you you're not looking. Hey, we're looking into it. Justice. Justice and injustice and issues of human rights and life and death can just be, you know, brushed under the rug in one full swoop with this we're looking into it statement. So 
Man, that is pretty nifty, right? Yeah. What if the Nazis were like, hey, we're looking into it. <laughs> but what they were looking into is like how to purchase Zyklon B, you know? <laughs> Speaking of Nazis. Uh, hey, that's a great transition. I've actually got a good story. You got one? What you got? Uh, no, just that, you know, one of my friends got a really horrific message from uh, from a Zionist. Uh, and I usually don't talk about this shit, but but it, it's it's relevant. He writes to her in her DMs, I will kill all of Gaza. Don't worry, both children and all the terrorists, all Palestine terrorists. Then he goes, Nazi. Hold up, let's break that down, huh? Because <laughs> that is I, a lot. That is a quite lot. a lot. So yep. he said, I will kill all of Gaza, both yep. children and the terrorists, right? Right. And right. then, so first of all, he does acknowledge that there are innocent people in Gaza. He does acknowledge that there are children that are not terrorists. Right, right, right. But then <laughs> he follows up and he says, all Palestine terrorists. All Palestine terrorists. He changes his mind. He pivots. What a quick reverse. <laughs> yeah, quick reverse. And then he just ends it with Nazi exclamation mark. He goes Classic. from, I will kill all of Gaza to calling my friend a Nazi. Just very could nice. be he was signing off as a Nazi, right? <laughs> he was like, hey, I, hey, hey, goodbye, Nazi, right? From a Nazi, yeah. yeah. They don't give their names all the time, so that's true. That's true. Sometimes it's just a category, you know. <laughs> but she sent me this because I had posted some uh, some of the Zionist spam that I get, you know, just classic. Like I have to tell you, there's no such thing as a Palestinian people. Like you know, just people telling you yeah. don't exist. Yeah, or you were invented after 1948, but there's like coins from 1920s. <laughs> and like my grandfather was born in the 30s and he was Palestinian when he was born. Yeah, so. and Golda Meir is like, I'm a Palestinian. You know yeah, what I mean? It's I like mean, we should maybe we should maybe stop listening to children on the Internet when it comes to the I historical know. record. Right. I, like, know. I know it's been called Palestine for thousands of years, people. So I've got a story about Nazis. Okay. Where Ukrainian Azov Battalion has now been removed from Japan's international terrorist list. Oh. Isn't that nice? Okay. Isn't that nice? The confirmed Nazi group, the Azov Battalion. Yeah. The Ukrainian ultra right. Nazi group. Yes. Which has been fighting Russian backed groups since 2014, funded by the United States, funded by the occupation, has been removed from the terrorist list of Japan. And what's Japan doing? What what's that all about? And on top of that, Japan apologized for having them on the list. Hey, you ever apologize? To a Nazi for correctly identifying them as a Nazi. That is a doozy. And here's the quote. It says, we are writing to inform you that we have decided to delete the information <laughs> on Azov Battalion from the International Terrorism Guide 2021 on the agency's website to prevent the spread of misinformation. Oh. The agency on April 8th said in an update on its website. It is regrettable that such information has spread in some cases. The Public Security Intelligence Agency doesn't recognize the Azov Regiment as a neo-Nazi organization. 
And the Azov battalion wrote back, like, the fuck you don't. We've been repping Nazis for a while. Like, you know what I mean? They didn't actually, but that's a joke. Yeah. Anyways, so it's just it's just an interesting, you know, development in the continued double standards that exist where you can have, and I don't know how to stress this strongly enough, literal Nazis getting removed from a terrorist list, right? While people who are defending the Al-Aqsa Mosque are being called terrorists. Yeah. I w- this reminds me of something I want to read. Came across this on Twitter. Is the thing that you want to read Dante's Inferno? <laughs> <laughs> No, but it it highlights the point that you're saying, which is that Palestinians will be shamed and insulted and painted as terrorists by anyone who will, in the same breath, glorify other acts of resistance or allow others to resist in the exact same way or more, right? So this comes from Ben Reif on Twitter. And he's tweeting about something which happened at a small protest in Tel Aviv that he says, quote, illustrated Israeli apartheid in one of the most blatant ways that I've ever personally witnessed. So he writes, the protest took place in front of the Shin Beit headquarters, which is right next to Tel Aviv University on the lands of the depopulated and destroyed Palestinian village of Sheikh Wannis. It was a protest against Israel's policy of administrative detention, by which it detains hundreds of Palestinians at a time without charge or trial. Around 40 Israelis gathered with Palestinian flags and posters bearing the faces of Palestinian minors currently detained. After a while, several of the protesters started to block the road with their bodies in an act of civil disobedience. The dozens of police who were present lifted them up and threw them back onto the sidewalk. This repeated for about 20 minutes. No arrests. One young Palestinian man wearing a kufya had happened upon the protest on his way out of university and joined for a few minutes. He did not take part in the civil disobedience, but he just stood briefly with the small crowd of Israeli protesters. After a few minutes, he left and headed back towards the student dorms. One of the Israeli protesters went with him. They walked for about 20 seconds while the protest continued before suddenly at least a dozen police officers started sprinting after them. The protest quickly disbanded as the rest of the crowd ran after the police who were chasing the Palestinian man into the student dorms. When we arrived, the police were blocking the entrance to the dorm and we couldn't see the Palestinian man anymore. We found out after that that the police had arrested him for no reason. After several Jewish Israelis had repeatedly blocked the road in an act of civil disobedience without getting arrested, yet the sole Palestinian at this small protest who was only present for a few minutes and did not participate in any civil disobedience was chased into the dorm complex by police, including undercover police, and violently arrested. And he finishes by saying, this did not happen in the occupied West Bank, where separate and unequal legal systems exist for Israelis and Palestinians, but in Tel Aviv. Right, where they claim that everything is great. He says, from the river to the sea, it's one set of rules for Jews and another set of rules for Palestinians. Yeah, but is he gay? You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> is who gay, though? I don't know. They just say shit about it. You know, it's like, at this point, who even knows, bro? Yeah. Like, yeah. 
But but that's the reality, right? Like if you're Palestinian, the marge of space where you have to live, breathe, exist, resist, whatever it may be, it just doesn't exist. Yeah. You're not afforded any space to inhabit in 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 this world. You're not allowed. You're not afforded the the ability to react to the deprivation of your human rights. Meanwhile, the settlers can just like waltz around anywhere like sacrificing goats and stuff, just okay. Real weird shit. Have you seen the pictures of the settlers dressed as Palestinian Muslim worshippers? Yeah, they got they try to dress up undercover and like they got called out. There's also been videos of them circulating trying to enter in the Muslim entrance in disguise and then getting beaten up and having to run away. Two Israeli settlers were injured after they were shot while trying to enter the tomb of Joseph in Nablus. Israeli soldiers actually shot and killed a Israeli Jewish man believing that he was Palestinian. Friendly fire. That's what they call that. Yeah, a little leopard ate my face action, you know, a little can you believe it's not butter? Um, <laughs> I don't even know what that means. Me neither, but it sounded like right. Laugh, you know what I mean? You know? I want to laugh. <laughs> it sounded right. Initial reports in Hebrew media actually called it a terror attack committed by a Palestinian from Gaza, but that official version was later altered. The tweet says, if the unidentified man killed in Ashkelon tried to grab a gun from the Israeli soldier and a colonel killed him after noticing it, what were the Benjamin Brigade soldiers doing in the middle of a highway? Not a bus stop or a parking lot, as reports claimed. The Times of Israel claims that the man who suffered from mental illness tried to snatch a gun from a female Israeli occupation soldier and was killed by the commander of the brigade who, quote, chased him while calling on him to stop in Arabic before fatally shooting him. That's something that they do as well, where they will murder people and then blame them for getting murdered. You know, they'll be like, oh, they wanted to die. It was a suicide by occupation. They'll be like, they that person had a mental illness. And it's like, actually, they were crossing the street. Like, they had mm. a tummy ache. Al Jazeera reported that thousands of Jewish settlers marched on Tuesday to the abandoned outpost of Hamish in the occupied West Bank. And the occupation soldiers injured at least 40 Palestinian protesters after thousands of Jewish Israeli settlers marched to the evacuated settlement outpost near Nablus in the occupied West Bank. So basically, thousands of settlers are marching on land that they illegally occupy, land which is Palestinian, and the occupation soldiers injure 40 Palestinians who are protesting this illegal provocation. This is just par for the course. We know that they do this all the time, that the occupation army is protecting settlers in in whatever they decide to do. Also, the settlers are running around chanting Nakba. Yeah. I don't know if that was in this specific incident. But... No, they're like running onto the Al-Aqsa compound chanting about, right. you know, Nakba. They're saying the names of people who have been victims of Israeli terrorism, just like trying to constantly stir up 
a feeling of insecurity among Palestinians, a feeling of fear, a feeling of total domination. Just want to finish on this. The occupation fired rubber-coated bullets and tear gas at Palestinians protesting against this event. And according to the Israeli media, around 70 buses carrying a thousand families registered for this event and several Knesset members were also in attendance. And this event was literally a march on illegally occupied Palestinian land, again, to show their power. Hamish was originally built in 1978 as an Israeli military base on private Palestinian land. And then it was basically stolen and given to settlers in 1980. In 2005, it was evacuated as a part of Ariel Sharon's quote unquote disengagement plan. And we have already talked about how all Israeli settlements in the occupied West Bank and East Jerusalem are illegal under international law. But the settlement of Hamish is also considered illegal under Israeli law because the colonial court has ruled that the land belonged to the private owners from the village of Burqa. Despite the fact that the outpost has been evacuated, the Israeli army maintains a military base in that location and the settlers remain able to access it, while the Palestinian landowners, who are acknowledged to be the landowners, even according to the Supreme Court of Israel, are forbidden from going on their land. The Supreme Court doesn't have guns, do they? In 2007, the settlers actually opened a quote-unquote religious school or yeshiva at the outpost, and the school continues to operate, and the settlers are allowed to camp at the outpost, but not have permanent homes. Those settlers are the only ones like willfully living in tents, right? Palestinians have to live in tents as refugees. Like that's the cards they've been dealt. But those Israeli settlers, they just cosplay. Exactly. Living in a refugee camp. Exactly. exactly. Because it's like they couldn't possibly imagine actually doing it. There you go. Couldn't have said it better myself. This is one of the years where... We would be remiss if we didn't talk about religion. Like, largely, mm-hmm. I like to establish that it's not, you know, Judaism has nothing to do with Zionism, that the conflation of two, the two is wrong and in itself anti-Semitic. But because of the way the calendar works this year, it's the first year in quite some time that all of us, all of the Abrahamic religions share in a holy weekend, right? Like we had Passover for Jews. It is Ramadan for Muslims. It is Easter for Christians. And so in theory, right, it should be a time where everyone is rejoicing, where everyone is at ease, where everyone is living with love and light and compassion for one another, for our brothers and sisters from all walks of life. Like if we were true to the letter of our religions, then that's how we would all be feeling right now. But because Zionism doesn't give a fuck about Judaism or Christianity and specifically targets Muslims during their month of fasting and prayer and dedication because zionism specifically does that it has ruined what could have been a beautiful moment in time 
Now, I'm not saying like I didn't expect them to do that. They do this every year. They've ruined Palestine. They've ruined life for many people. But it's just another, it's a moment that we should stop, right? And think about how detached Zionism is from the religion of Judaism and from the ability to allow for the equal access of religion in Palestine, right? In the birthplace of Christ, in a place where the prophet, peace be upon him, helped to proliferate the spread of Islam and a place where Islam today is represented in the site of the Al-Aqsa compound, the Al-Aqsa mosque, all of the, you know, the entirety of the space of Palestine, frankly, is a dedication to religion. And they destroy mosques, right? They destroy the artwork, which takes years. It's culture. It takes years to build. People have to learn a trade. They have to master a craft, right? There's a ton that goes into it. They destroy churches, right? They stop Palestinians, Christian Palestinians, the literal descendants of Christ, from practicing Christianity on Easter. And (laughs) they totally disrespect Judaism by murdering people, by sullying the name of Judaism so that it is in any way associated with Zionism. Yeah, that was so articulate. I have nothing to say in response. Like you're absolutely right to to want to make that reflection about what this time could represent. Yeah. And like what it could mean for humanity. But all of what we're seeing come out of there is just aggression and brutality and state violence against an occupied people who have nothing but rocks to resist and yet somehow we continue to be painted as the ones who are attacking the occupation soldiers who are on our land in our mosque and that they need to defend themselves from us. Like stop being in my mosque and throwing grenades and, you know, firing at us while we are praying in our mosque on our land, you know, it's. And randomly beating people in the courtyard, children included. Yeah. Like. Those videos were brutal. They're terrifying. Those videos are brutal because you see them manhandling, shoving and beating with sticks like people the age of my grandfather. Their bones are already brittle. They already can barely walk. And they've been there for 80 years. Like they've literally been there longer than your oppressive colonial entity has. And they've grown up there their whole life and all the generations before them. And they're being made to feel as if they're strangers on their own land, as if they're doing something wrong by existing on it. And I mean, all you have to do, like if I think, I think it's worth it. If you're listening to this podcast right now, just go into Google and type Israel destroys church. Just type it and you'll get article after article after article after article. Type Israel destroys mosque and you'll get article after article after article after article of incident after incident after incident year after year where the occupation takes it upon itself to 
desecrate, to destroy, to invade houses of worship in Palestine, whether it be for Christian worship, Muslim worship, it doesn't matter because they have no respect for the land. They have no respect for the religious traditions that were born from this land. So I came across a visual on Reddit that displays Palestinian rebels from Haifa posing with their commander. One rebel is carrying a Palestinian flag with a crescent and a cross that shows Muslim and Christian unity during the revolt against British rule in 1937. Because historically, people of all backgrounds have come together to oppose Zionism and colonial rule. Christians joined Muslims in their desire to free Palestine. Yes, of and course, because there's all, they're also victims of it. Yes. Yeah. And the American Christians who are blindly supporting the occupation, making donations to the IOF, raising money on behalf of the settler colony, those people have no idea that they are actually oppressing original Christians, like the OG Christians. I don't know Christians. they care. I don't know they, they probably care. don't care, but they don't know, right? Or they do know. I don't know. I don't, I, maybe they do. You don't think they don't, you don't think that they know? No, because I think then the media and the access to information has been so dominated by the Zionist narrative that some people frankly don't know, and they don't even okay. know what Palestine is. Okay. Well, Bethlehem is in Palestine and there's a lot of Palestinian Christians in Bethlehem. So you might want to you know, give it a Google. Give it a Google, you know, next year on Christmas or something. Yeah, might be I'm, relevant. I'm not saying that they shouldn't know. They absolutely should know. It's incumbent upon everybody to learn about things outside of the way that you were introduced to the world. But you guys are lockstep with the occupation in oppressing your own. Yeah. Not that this matters at all, but the UN Security Council is going to hold an emergency meeting over Israeli violence in occupied East Jerusalem on Tuesday, April 19th. The meeting was called by China, France, the UAE, Norway, and Ireland, and will be held behind closed doors after days of Israeli aggression around the Al-Aqsa Mosque compound. So we'll see what comes out of that. So last week, the Times of Israel reported that the occupation opened fire on a car in which two brothers of Ra'ed Hazem, who was the Palestinian involved in the resistance in downtown Tel Aviv, were believed to be traveling. The occupation said that, quote unquote, intelligence indicated that the terrorist two brothers were in one of the vehicles. And... They also said that bullets struck the car that was traveling in the Janine area, but it ultimately fled the area. The army claimed that soldiers had aimed at the car's tires, but footage showed smashed windows. The father of Ra'ed said that his wife and his younger son were traveling together in the car when the occupation shot at them. Big shout out, switching gears. Yeah. <laughs> to something slightly lighter. Shout out Belal Mohammed. UFC fighter, Palestinian, who recently headlined a main card 
and he did a great job. He won the fight. He out wrestled the guy for about 25 minutes and he shouted out the Palestinian people in his post fight interview. He also held the flag of Palestine. He spoke directly about what's happening at, you know, Al-Aqsa and the people who are dying every day and defending the land of Palestine with their bodies. And so just major shout out to him. I know that the UFC has in the past stopped him from having his flag. And also they've snubbed him on a post-fight interview before, but he just he shined too bright because they can't not interview the winner of the main event. <laughs> right. Good luck trying, but that, yeah, yeah, that's, that would be awkward. Yeah. Yeah. They're like, Hey, we're actually going to talk to the loser of the main event. And they say they stand with Israel. That's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. I just love it. I love, I love how proud he was. I love how he took, you know, the few seconds he had, to shout out Palestine. He told us, you know, everyone sees what's going on in Palestine and he wanted to give blessings to everybody out there. And, and he said, that's the real fight. And, and then that's really, you know, that's really cool. That's really, really cool. He's doing the, really well. The dude has been working his tail off. Yeah. He has been like fighting people in their disciplines and beating them at yeah. their strengths. It's a very impressive, like, and it's crazy that he's on this huge fight win streak, but still hasn't really been talked about for title contention. Totally. Like he's kind of being slept on, kind of being looked over, pushed aside by the promotion. And I don't know if it's because he's Palestinian, you know what I mean? But I'm sure it certainly doesn't help when talking to Dana White. Right. <laughs> Right. And also fuck DJ Khaled, really. Yeah, he actually he, he wants to be known as DJ Khaled. He doesn't appreciate the way you said that. Yeah, okay, hold on. Let me start again. <laughs> fuck DJ Khaled, okay? He said fuck another DJ one. Because <laughs> right. that's the thing. is like, you could be that. You could be that, but you're not that. One of his ad libs could be Free Palestine. Right. There was a Pegasus story that we didn't talk about. What was it? That they were spying, I think, on uh, UK politicians. What for? They're so obedient. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I actually have no idea why they were. He didn't that. like my Instagram post. Like, <laughs> no, but here it is. They, uh, I guess, is spyware used to infiltrate Downing Street Network. Pegasus spyware is suspected to have been used to infect the ten Downing Street Network and. So they're, they're spying on everybody. A device connected to the network was infected in July 2020, prompting tests on several phones, including that of the prime minister. But don't worry, the phone got vaccinated and boosted and it's feeling much better. <laughs> exactly. Zionists stay spying. I don't know what the point is of spying on those people. They literally do everything you say. I don't know. It's either. like you could just text them. <laughs> right? right be like okay. hey boris go say <laughs> right. this dumb shit and then he does and it's like all and right, then he well. does and then it's over and they're like hey keep sending us weapons and money and then they do you're right i i don't know that just shows how like fucking paranoid they are that it's totally. like even the people who are totally subservient to them totally obedient can still get spied on like a dissident, 
right? Yes. And this is actually something that's interesting. I spoke to a woman who is like, she was born in Haifa. She was at the Seder. She's the mom Mm -hmm. of an anti-Zionist Jew. And she's not like quite anti-Zionist, but she's sort of like coming around to anti-Zionist principles in her later life. She's dipping her toes. Yeah. And like, she explained to me that even though she'd served in the army, she found out that she'd been spied on. And that's what first led her to see like, oh, maybe not like maybe the things that I've been told aren't true because she was told by her higher up that they were spying on her. And so like, yeah, you could dedicate your whole life to serving the occupation and they'll still treat you like they don't trust you because it's a sick society, right? It's a society that projects its own insecurities onto the people who are serving it. So like they'll treat you like a cheating partner because they cheat, because they spy, mm-hmm. because they send people to infiltrate and to collect information and to blackmail. And so they're always checking you for those tendencies. Absolutely. Couldn't have said it better myself. That is the entire psyche of the colonial and like the colonial personality is embodied in that, in that description. You could be so fully faithful, so fully subservient to this colonial settler apartheid system, but it doesn't spare you the scrutiny that goes with existing inside of the system, right? Right. Anybody can get spied on. Anybody could get clapped. Anybody could get taken to jail and detained indefinitely. Obviously, it happens more to Palestinians, but it's not like it doesn't happen to Jewish people. Right. Anybody could get it. And they'll look into it. They'll look into whatever incident happened. It's a great place to stop. Yeah. That has been another episode of the Palestine Pod. Thank you all so much for listening. Check out our website, www.palestinepod.com. Follow us on Instagram at the Palestine Pod. Fucking send us an email. You know what I mean? Send us a fucking digital letter at palestinepod at gmail.com and subscribe to our Patreon. It's really good stuff we got going on over there. www.patreon.com slash Palestine pod. That has been another episode of the Palestine pod. Thank you all so much for listening. Have a great day. This is the Palestine pod. Palestine pod.